From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we are back on The Stoop. We're on The Stoop. Are and we Are we on a literal stoop, Joel? I feel like people wonder. The uh, Honorable uh, Elder E.J. Hill is unfortunately not with us today. He's helping people learn how to walk up their stoops, right? What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. <laughs> but we do have somebody else with us uh, on the stoop, and that is... Oh, Marla. <laughs> Marla Walker. <laughs> Marla, good to have you. Marla, why, why are you on the stoop with us today? Um, I believe I'm here to... Because we asked you. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, what, what, what are we talking about today? Um, we're talking about my story. Yeah. Yeah, so Marla's a member of the Garden Church. Marla, when when did we first meet you? Was it like four years ago, maybe? Three? Yeah, four years ago. Like about 40 years ago. All right. And uh, you are from where? I'm originally from, say, Salisbury, Maryland. But kind of all over. You've been in Baltimore. Yeah. Wherever. And we met you when you were living in Baltimore. Yeah. How did we meet you, Marla? Do you remember that story? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Very. I don't know if very I know this clear. story. How do we? I don't think you do. Well, I was walking up the street looking for an outreach building, which I never found. Um, and I happened to bump into Kenny Smith, who's a member. And yes, and he said he. Well, he asked me what I was looking for. And I told him I was looking for an outreach building. And I asked him, was the building that I was standing in front of, was it it? And he was like, no, um, it's just an empty building, but we have outreach at our church. Um, follow me. I'll take you to go mm. meet meet the people. Okay. And I was a little leery because... <laughs> so was this Someone's like a leading Sunday? you to a... Ba- no, it's a random, like, Tuesday morning. Yeah. Oh, oh, so he brought you to the office then. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. He did. And I, I never saw him before in my life. He's like, just follow me down, like, yeah. a couple blocks, too. I mean, he was, she was over there at the... Um, over on Madison? block on the... Um, at that building oh, okay. that they're, like, rebuilding right now. Um, and so... Uh, I had another meeting planned, and Kenny just opens the door, and he's like, Stephanie, this is Miss Marla. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. How can I help you? Praise and God. then that started a beautiful discipleship relationship, and it's, so, been, it's been good. So why were you in Baltimore? How did you end up here? Well, I had relapsed after 17 years of um, clean time from drugs and alcohol, and um, I had elected to go to... Uh, a recovery program called PAL Recovery. And the time that I had to spend there was like six months. And within that six months time, um, I was searching for a church to go to. And um, I graduated and uh, moved into a transitional home with my granddaughter. And I heard some of the um, residents there talk about the Garden Church. And I happened to meet Stephanie in that in that amount of time, and she invited me to church, and I went. I grew up in a house with two loving parents. They were workaholics, though. Um, they were working at the Pentagon uh, when I was growing up. 
I had a lot of um, family members who had good education, and we were a pretty wholesome family. I uh, was first introduced to alcohol when I was young. Um, I believe I took my first drink when I was eight years old. Uh, my parents were not uh, present at the time um, that I took this drink. Um, and they never knew that I was, I was drinking until later on. I was introduced to marijuana by my biological father, who was never in my life um, until then. And um, eventually I got exposed to um, other drugs. I had uh, some abuse occur as a young child, and uh, I was very troubled through my teenage years because of it. My parents tried, but I was just out of control, so. Were you living at home all these years as a teen, or did you leave? Um, I lived at home until I was about 15. I left for a little while um, because my parents had given me permission to get married. Um, So I moved in with my significant other, and um, that didn't work out. So as a teen, you're what, using alcohol, smoking weed? As a t- yes, alcohol. I started smoking uh, marijuana when I was sixteen. Okay. Um, I was twenty three when I when I got married. Um, this was a, another relationship, different from the one that I had left home. He was into smoking crack at that time, and um, the intravenous drug use is what ran me away from the relationship. But. Um, I had the opportunity presented itself for me to try crack, and ultimately that's what took me out was smoking crack. How old were you? Um, I was in my mid twenties when I when I tried it. Um, I guess I was about twenty five, maybe. Do you do you feel like like the rest is history after that? Like, do you feel like mid twenties was a turning point for you and? just entered into more of a heavy lifestyle of using drugs yes. and pursuing drugs? Yes. Did you ever at any point think, I can I can be more functional? Right, Because there's different levels. I, I think you, just knowing your story, you'd say, this is when it was really bad, this is when I was using, but it wasn't that bad. Or like, How would you explain just like your own thought behind your perceived control of your addiction? Well, when I first started using, um, I thought I had some control over it. Um, that quickly went away. Um, I think in 91 was my first treatment experience at the Hudson mm-hmm. uh, Center. And then I went again the following year to Warwick Manor. Where's the Hudson Center at? In Salisbury. Okay. And Salisbury is what, two? Three hours from Baltimore, yeah, over on two, the yeah, about two near the shore. Hours, yes. So you went into a drug center. Yes, I went to a thirty-day um, drug rehab both times um, at the Hudson Center and at Woolworth Manor. What 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 made you want to get clean then, and why didn't it stick? What would you say? Um, the first time that I went, I was I had really was using really bad then, and um, I just wanted to go on my own at first, that first time. Um, My kids were put in foster care while I was there. And um, 
when I got out, I promised myself I wasn't going to use again, but I did end up using again. And um, social services got involved and told me that I had to go to treatment. How old were your kids? Um, they were very, very young. They were all in diapers. I started going to outpatient, um, but it didn't last very long. I was using again. I get to see you in the office, and you'll kind of be the the mom that sits down. And um, for anybody who uh, is struggling with using or thinks that they actually have it under control, you're, you're having these conversations like, yeah, that that was me. I thought I could do it until I realized when I hit desperate, desperate wasn't desperate enough. When I got to the place that I got to 17 years, I was on the street. I was prostituting. I was... Um, doing little stick-ups on the drug boys and um, in and out of the trap houses. And basically, I got to a place where I was sitting in a trap house, and I look back on it now, and it probably was the Holy Spirit that came and said, look, it's time for you to go. And so I up and left where I was and um, went to seek recovery so. so that was 17 years the beginning of 17 years um, that, how old that, were you that clean date was uh, March of 99 so I was 33 years old when I got those years I started out with those years gotcha praise God for those years yeah, yeah. praise God for those years so for 17 years then you were clean Yes, I became a drug counselor, uh, working for the state of Maryland. Um, Were you using anything? Were you using alcohol, smoking weed? In that 17 years? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Were you a Christian during these years? Um, I like to think I was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember, Marla, when we first met you and I came and sat at your house and was just asking you for your testimony. That's kind of what you said. Was I, I asked you, like, at what point did you become a Christian? Because at that time, you certainly seemed to be repentant and believing the mm -hmm. gospel of Jesus. It's confusing, isn't it? Yes. I think when I did the relapse um, in 2015, 2016, um, the death of my stepson, um, I took it really hard and um, got to a place where I was not willing to do the things that I needed to do to stay clean. And I stepped away from God. You know, I stepped away from everybody and kind of shut down and didn't utilize my support system. And eventually I used again. You were 33. According to my calculator, 17 years later would put you at 50. Mm -hmm. um, and then your, you said your stepson passed away. How did he die? Um, he was gunned down. It was gang-related. Right. And that was here in Baltimore, right? Yes. Because of that, that was kind of a trigger, in a sense? Is that what you're saying? It was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back because I was going through some things um, mental health-wise and uh, medically, and then that happened. It yeah. just was the straw that broke the camel's back. In what way do you, did you kind of already relapse Prior to actually relapsing. Does well, that make sense? Yes. The, the relapse, the actual relapse uh, starts long before the picking up does. Um, uh, for me, I had, like I said, I stepped away from my support system. I was no longer working on recovery. Um, 
actually that occurred um, several years before I actually relapsed because I was gradually, it was like a, um, it was a gradual process. It's so good that you can recognize that and label it because someone will say, oh, I can't believe I relapsed. But you're saying, no, this started it started a couple of years before I actually picked anything up. Mm, like I, mm, I let go of support systems. Yeah. I let go of structure. I wasn't striving or working towards recovery. And so people think like, I just don't know what happened. But you're so clearly laying it down that like just letting go of those subtle structures of discipline mm-hmm. is what, what it was. And you wouldn't have thought three years prior to relapsing, this is the beginning of my relapse. So mm-hmm. if relapse is eating a meal in Lady Folly's house, yeah, it could be two years before that you start walking down the road toward mm-hmm. Lady Folly's yeah. house. Yeah. And your guard is down, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and then life starts to feel like the pressures are yelling at you. There's so much heat. There's so much pressure, I think, in that life. And then that's why you say when your um, son got murdered, that's like, oh, this was a straw. Like I was waiting for something to throw this out of whack, and this is this mm-hmm. is it. Yeah. Would you say that that was an excuse? Like it, yes, it, it gave you a reason had, to use? Yes, because I had suffered many losses during my recovery process. And at that point, you're just like, screw it. I'm gonna, I made I'm the use. decision to use. Yeah. That's. I don't care how people say it. They can say, oh, I relapsed because, no, you relapsed because you made the decision. So you're saying you took, you're taking responsibility for your relapse? Oh, of course. Of course. What would, what would be some signs then of like, you know, 17 years clean, but some of, those, some of that time was uh, whatever you want to call it, walking, walking down that road, pre-relapse, whatever. What are some signs that somebody's walking down that road and they're, they're, they're heading toward a relapse without even realizing it. I would say like the main thing is not reaching out to your support network because it does require that you have some type of um, support system um, to help you. It's recovery, you can't do it by yourself and be successful. Yeah, yeah. So like a church, that for again. instance, cutting yes. off church relationships, yeah, I, I you're not as present. You don't yes. want accountability. People are asking you questions you don't want to answer. Right, or, right. Or you're scared to confess your actual desire. I don't know. Yeah, I, I had stopped even discussing what I was feeling at the time, um, even though it had a lot to do with relapse I just didn't open up to anybody about it and it began to fester and so what kind of goes through your head after the relapse uh oh I messed up mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty basic yeah it's yeah. pretty simple is it is it sort of like uh oh I messed up so I'm gonna get back on track or is it uh oh I messed up and I'm fine I'm okay well I can get this under control <laughs> There's been a couple times when it's been, uh oh, I messed up. So what? Versus, uh oh, I messed up. I need to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. So when you relapsed after 17 years, how how long did you kind of binge, or how long did that go on? About 10 months, I want to say, around about 10 months. And so how did you get to the end of that? Like you're back at it. Um, what brought you out of 10 months of using? Being sick of myself. Being getting, sick of myself. To the end. Yeah, spending all my money on drugs. Being around cokeheads. Mm-hmm. Was there broken relationships even with family members and friends and trusted? You know, I can't say that that happened with me. My family became very supportive once mm-hmm. I said I wanted to go get help. 
you had about 10 months of binge, right? Decided mm-hmm. you wanted to get clean. And then you ended up in Baltimore. You said, I'm going yes, back to Baltimore. I so, went to a six-month program um, called Power Recovery. Yes. And, and, and I completed there and went into a transitional home for mothers and children where I took, it was me and my granddaughter. Yeah. And then you became an intern or well, you became and a the, member. And then at one point you were walking up the street. Yes. And, I and met you Kenny. met Kenny Smith. Yes. There we go. Oh, I see what we just did there. It's like the zoom out, zoom in. So right. now we're back. Now we're back. You met Kenny Smith. You met Kenny Smith. You walked into the office. You thought, what is happening here? We started thinking about how do we work through, what are your plans and your structure? And yes. then we, we then there was a hunger for you and biblical things, and to which I was so excited. Yeah, and I yeah. think it was first kind of like jobs. And uh, I feel like yeah. when I first met Marla, she was in a program, Stephanie, that you run called Work Life, right? Right, and we were, particularly for you, you weren't looking for a job, but you wanted to kind of refresh yourself on the skills that you had been teaching other people and that you had mm-hmm. been learning yourself. So you were coming around, and then we were just really trying to make sure, we were trying to get you into a place to live. Remember how excited we were? Little by little, we were like, we're going to save up for the deposit. And you gave me the call the last time. Um, The the amount you needed had been been, uh, fulfilled. And we moved you in. Remember that? There was a truck. We're moving you out of the transition home. Mm -hmm. Um, All while that time, you're coming to the garden or you're wanting to start to come to Mm. the garden. And you're you're coming to the the church. I forget all those things because we have a relationship now. Then I'm like, no, I really literally almost met a stranger and then went to their house. And then we unpacked your room <laughs> put it on a truck drove to the house mm-hmm. unpacked yeah. truck yeah yeah i remember some conversations too with you stephanie where we were talking about marla you know behind your back marla <laughs> always see your face yeah. when you come up no, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and um and i remember asking you like do you think she's a believer because she she professes jesus you know she wants to be part of the church and I think you had you took her through Christianity. Yeah, we walked maybe through Mark together. I don't know if you knew really you were walking through a book there, but surprise, things. you're walking through a book. <laughs> but yeah, we walked through Christianity. Explained what I feel like watching you was you had a moment where you said, "I think I like I'm not good enough," and then you're like, "But Christ is good enough for me." I think you always mm-hmm. felt like you needed to measure up. Mm-hmm. Would you, I'm telling your own story, but would you agree to that? That there was a struggle feeling like you're never, you can't come before God. Um, Right, right. Um, And a lot of that was shame-based. You felt like you could have come to God because of your shame? Yes. Guilt? Yeah. I think we were talking about grace one time, particularly a couple years ago, if I can remember, before you left. And you would say, I think I'm starting to actually believe grace for what it is. Like, I, I cannot, I can't give God what he needs to be made right. Like somebody has to do that for me mm-hmm. and he maintains it. Yes. So after, after you were at the garden church and here in Baltimore, you got a house. Um, we were able to celebrate your baptism with you. You mm-hmm. were part of the community. Um, became an intern. Yeah. Became an intern. And uh, which, which is at, uh, I don't know if we've talked about that on the podcast, but okay. for us interns is like a um, discipleship, Program, yeah, new believers, new believers, or for people that are going into ministry, yeah, all of those things that we just mumbled just now. And uh, then you wanted to go back to Salisbury. We pleaded. We pleaded that you wanted. Do you feel like you were kind of on the road to relapse and in that moment, like you didn't Um, realize it subconsciously? Yes, I ended up going back to Baltimore. I mean, I'm sorry, I ended up going back to Salisbury because of uh, something the doctor said to me. I knew when I put that last box on the truck that I was doing the wrong thing. 
um, that I should have stayed in Baltimore. Mm. Um, but I went there, and I didn't last very long. I was using again. There was a confidence there, but maybe it was a false confidence. Like, no, I'm going to be okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, too, it was like I'm going back home. I'm going to be around my old friends because mm-hmm. I missed them, mm-hmm. even knowing that they were using, and eventually that's what got me high. People, places, and? Things. I um, got in a relationship with a drug dealer, and that was tough because (laughs) the large quantities of drugs that I was exposed to just, I went back. I I just, I used again. I was surrounded by it, so. So you're back to using. How long, how many months would would you have been using again, you think? This last time was probably three or four months that I used before I made the decision to come back to Baltimore because I just couldn't, I couldn't be successful there um, at staying clean. I could not be successful. It required too many many deep-rooted ties. and I was tired of going back and forth after I had lost all this time with the 17 years I was in and out after that, it was so hard for me to try to get clean again. Um, some of it was the shame of losing the the, the time, um, the shame of not reaching out to uh, people in my network, uh, just the shame of how I looked once I started using again. Uh, the weight was gone and the face was sunken in. You know, it just, it was a bad situation. I had a bunch of uh, muscle relaxers and um, because I, I'm a chronic pain patient and um, I have different medications that help accommodate my chronic pain and one of them was muscle relaxers. And I took a bottle of them. Mm-hmm. And um, how many? How many pills? I couldn't even begin to tell you. Just I just know it was a whole bottle. Wow. Um, and you and said, I washed done. it down with alcohol. And I said, I'm just gonna lay here and relax and go to sleep. And that then you woke the second up. Time, and then I woke up. That was the second time that I had tried something like that. So you woke up. And uh, you were like, what was your first thought? You're laying in bed still, I guess? Oh, my God, I'm still alive. Wow. <laughs> that was my first thought. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I'm um, going back to Baltimore. After that, I guess he was saving me to come back. Because <laughs> everything lined up to yeah. get here. I mean, everything. When I tell you everything. Hmm. Um, I mean, everything lined up. And because I was willing to say, hey, I'm just letting everything go. I'm mm-hmm. letting the Lord lead me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Everything just lined right up. We're going on maybe four months ago, something like that. Yeah. So you're you're newly back in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. All right. We're sitting here with an old friend who was a member of our church. Uh, we, we, we had sent you off to another church at the time. You were no longer a member here. You relapsed. We were in conversation with you. Now you're back. Mm-hmm. Back. And we brought you in back as brought you back in as a member in September. Yep. I don't even know any of the months during 2020. I have no idea. But all of very recently, yeah. we brought you back as as a member, and it's been such an encouragement to uh, to us yeah. members 
too, to just see um, that love and that passion for the Lord um, in you. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you're, you're still living your story. You know, your story's not over. And, you know, of course, the skeptic's going to listen to this and say, well, you know, there's, there's just a cycle there, and yeah, you're just, just going to go back to it. Just wait. Yeah, uh, I suppose that there are. But um, the thing is this, when you use, um, you've got to make it up in your mind that I'm done because nobody can take it from you. Um, it has to be a decision that you make on your own. And I feel that I made that decision. Um, it maybe perhaps it took for this relapse to occur to let me know that drugs are not for me um, and nothing has changed after 17 years. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways, too, this is like not a triumphal success story. This is like a uh, real conversation with a, a Christian who has uh, had a, a, a long road with sin, sin struggles, mm-hmm. fighting, fighting sin. And um, your sanctification process hasn't been completed, and it won't be completed until the day you die and are given a new body, freed from even the temptation to use. Yeah. So it's then, until then you press on. Yeah. yeah. And that's all of us too, isn't yeah. it? Putting past your failures right. and your successes, we press right. on. Like some somebody could listen and say, you know, Marla's susceptible to fall again, and my answer is, is absolutely, and so am I. You know what I'm saying? Like a hundred times. Yeah, and here you are. uh, You moved into friend's house right behind my house, so now you're my neighbor. Mm -hmm. We see you every day, all day. (laughs) It's delightful. People have you over for dinner. Yep. (laughs) You're within three blocks of every at least seven members. And all of that's helpful for you too, right? Yes, that's like just just to fill up your time. Yes, um, I'm a busybody, and I've got a busybody. Typically means a gossip. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. Uh, that's what I think. A, oh, Caribbean. Well, you're a busy person. A busy person. We'll okay. Change that. We're yeah, and person. then we'll Google busybody after yeah. that. <laughs> um, I'm I'm a busy person, and I like to have things to do, and um, especially when it involves. Um, doing things for the church because I want to be a servant mm-hmm. um, and so I do everything I try to do everything as if I were doing it for God because really I am that's where I'm at I'm, I'm glad to be back I'm just happy where I'm at uh, I've been told that I never have to leave this house so it's where I'm living <laughs> love yeah. it yeah it seems as if you know hearing you talk it's like yeah I've let go of everything I physically thought was the most important thing to me and gave me identity, but found Christ to be enough. Yes, yes. And that's it, and you say, in recovery. So always, it's the process of always striving. So if you were to give advice to somebody who's got a loved one, a friend that's struggling with uh, giving themselves over to addiction, mm-hmm. uh, how, do, how do you advise them? Well, I would tell them, that's most definitely pray for the person, but they got to understand that it's something that the person has to make the decision for themselves. And the only thing you can really do, because people got to understand something. When you're using, you may feel that you're not hurting anybody but yourself, and you are, you're hurting your family and those um, close to you. Um, And so they've got to... They've got to go get help for themselves. Um, How does the church help? Um, the church is like my main support system. Um, everybody is, I like the fact that 
there are accountability people within the church that help you stay in line with things. Um, it's just the love of Christ that I find um, is very for real amongst the, the church family. I'm grateful for my church family. I, I've got some love here that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. I have never experienced a love amongst a church family in my life. So you guys are stuck with me. Oh, well, <laughs> I'd say you're stuck with us. <laughs> No, it's so mutual. It's it's so mutual and so good. If you guys were ever to get a glimpse of seeing and knowing Miss Marlitz, to know uh, she is she is truly a servant. Um, and so we're she's, we're she's busy, ones. but she's not a busy body. She's not a busy body. What's the definition, Joel? A busy body is mm-hmm. a person who. This is Urban Dictionary, by the way. Such a trusted source. Uh, reputable. <laughs> <laughs> a, a person who constantly gossips and talks bad about people and spreads rumors about them in order to create problems and conflict. Marla, you are a busybody. No, I'm just no. kidding. You're a, busy, you're a busy person. And I, I have you claimed started, it though. Well, I've started conflicts by saying the word busybody. I thought it meant yeah, busybody. busybody. Well, you know, yeah, y'all give no, grace. Y'all no, give grace. No. I didn't know either, Miss Marla. I'm gonna stop saying that. I said it you're all yesterday. Busy you're such so a you busy probably body. planted the idea in her head. No, she's. We both said it on our own separate times. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.